0: The Eyes to the Left. Hello and welcome to Eyes to the Left, the Mirrors political podcast. My name is Jason Beatty and I'm joined today by Femi Oruwale, who is single handedly going to stop Brexit. Femi's going to talk to me about his organization, Our Future, Our Choice, what he hopes to achieve and how he started it. And then we're going to have a discussion about whether we can or cannot stop Brexit. So, Ferry, thank you for joining us. For and for having me. This, would you like to explain, how did this start, this Our Future, Our Voice? Uh, well,
1: um, first of all, uh, not single-handedly. Um, the co-founders are um, myself, uh, Lara Spirit, Will Dryan, Callum Milbank. Um, and, well, I guess the origin was, uh, I think, February 2016, when having studied EU law, I realised that uh, both the Remain camp and the Leave camp were failing this country. Uh, they were um, the the Leave camp were saying things that contradicted EU law, and the Remain camp weren't explaining the basics to people. They they, they chose rather to go, rather than actually explain the very simple things like the single market, which can be explained so easily. They chose to just say, "You need the single market. You need it. Otherwise, your economy will explode." And they'd, if they'd have actually treated people like adults, people might have listened. And for example, the single market, here we go. It is a system that lets you make a single version of your product and it will be legal everywhere in Europe. That means you can buy and sell your stuff a hell of a lot cheaper. Now that in practice means that either the EU makes a law, so you just have to make it according to EU standards or companies countries keep their own laws but accept products from other countries which meet the requirements of those countries so for example if i'm a uk manufacturer i can make one version of my beer and even if it meets doesn't meet the requirements of portugal it will be legal in portugal even if it doesn't meet uk it doesn't meet portugal's requirements as long as it meets uk requirements so these sorts of things that we could have had a discussion on but we didn't.
0: OK, let's, we're jumping ahead of ourselves a little. We, Sorry. Just go back to kind of like, so you're, you're, where were you in 2016, June
1: 23rd? In June, in June 2016, I was in Birmingham campaigning on the street. I'd made a couple of homemade signs. Um, and I was in the middle of, of the bull ring with a T-shirt that said, EU questions, just ask. And
0: did
1: people come and ask you questions? Yeah, I had a lot of people coming up to me um, and asking asking me questions, asking my viewpoints. Uh, a couple of people actually changed their minds there and then because nobody had bothered to tell them any, any facts. Um, and it, it was it was fun. Uh, well, it was fun for most of it. I mean, uh, I, I was out there for 15 minutes having uh, having planned to be there for about a good six hours and I was there for a good six hours. But in the first 15 minutes, a bird decided that he didn't like what I was doing and... Um, relieved himself upon me
0: I I, I can trump this by the way I used to be a a reporter in Birmingham and I once got sent out sorry for the diversion it's quite a good story I once get sent out because they had this idea they wanted to recreate Speaker's Corner famously in in Hyde Park in London Mm. across the UK Mm. and they my editor sent me into the centre of Birmingham to try and get an audience for a speech and I stood on this soapbox and talked to a crowd of zero, apart from one pigeon, which stood in front of me. (laughs) Nobody was interested in my speech at all, and I would constitute that as a failure. Anyway, so I I know the feeling. Um, I was just going to point out that in uh, Birmingham was the major big city which actually voted for leave Mm. rather than remain. All the other major cities went remain apart. So was this an early taste of failure, or uh, or was this going to steal your resolve to campaign harder? It very much... uh, (laughs) It meant... My experiences in Birmingham
1: made me one of the people that wasn't complacent about a Remain victory, because what I was hearing from people on the street just wasn't supporting that, be it the people that were saying, point blank, I'm going to vote Leave to screw it, to stick it to Cameron, or be it the people that that believed Um, that EU migrants can come here and simply live off benefits, which goes directly against EU law, um, and it's actually the UK government that isn't enforcing EU rules that means that you can't do that. There were many, many reasons that made me think, no, the narrative of this is just wrong, and it's going to lead to a Leave victory. Um, So I I was definitely not positive at that point.
0: So you woke up the day after the referendum, and and Mm. how did you feel?
1: I felt... uh, Hurt. I felt that I'd failed uh, as somebody with a background in EU law. I I, I question whether or not I should have done more, whether or not I could have done more, um, and I f- and I felt really really bad for the country, angry at the politicians that um, either lied or failed to give the facts when they in the, when they were in a position to give those facts, um, and I felt that I had to do something about it. And this involved. Well, um, since since February two thousand sixteen, I've been making little exp- explanatory videos, um, explaining things like the single market, EU immigration rules, um, uh, the human rights ramifications of leaving the EU, uh, and just basically making, it, in, in, saying these things in very simple, in simple, in simple, um, in simple ways. As in my, one of my most popular videos in relation to the single market explains it in terms of beer. Um, uh, I, I said, all right, imagine if you're a UK manuf- beer man- man- manufacturer. I can see a
0: theme here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and you want to sell um, beer in 28 different countries. In theory, that would mean making 28 versions of, the, of that product because that would mean that you'd have, to make leg- you'd have to meet the laws of each country. So the EU said, no, that's too much of a waste of money. That would mean make your product way too, way too expensive. We'll have, we'll have one law. Um, and then you can make the same beer and it will be legal everywhere. I, I take beer as the example. The actual case was um, Cassis, Cassis Dijon. Um, and they also said you can have another rule, which is mutual recognition, which means as long as it meets the requirements of one country, it's legal everywhere. So um, uh, I've been, I, can make, I can explain these sorts of things in really simple terms that everyone can understand because people, you don't expect people to have all studied EU law. That's not, the, 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 the citizen isn't under any obligation to have studied EU law. If we'd had a referendum on which nuclear isotope should we put in our nuclear reactors, you couldn't blame people if the politicians in charge of, of, of informing the people chose to lie or chose to leave out key facts. I'm not angry at a single, well, I'm not angry at the vast majority of people that, that the voted the vote leave because I can't promise you that had I not studied EU law that I wouldn't also have voted leave. Um, because this is a question of, is it worth staying in the EU? Is the single market is the single market worth it? And if you don't know what the single market is, which both remainers and leavers right now aren't clear on, you can't make an informed decision on that. So the notion that remainers are all educated and leavers are all stupid is just wrong.
0: So, when did kind of Our Future, Our Voice, when did that take off? You mentioned earlier it was you and a group of friends. Uh, Well, uh, I
1: I came up with the name Our Future, Our Choice um, around September of last year. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, So, um, because quite simply, uh, the under 55 population of the UK voted to remain. And as calculated by the FT, Um, we will be a Remain population, as in a a population which in 2016 voted to remain, um, by 2021. Um, And I think the the, the pollster Peter Kellner, uh, I think he put it at 2020. Um, So we're talking within four years or so of the vote, uh, four or five years of the vote, us having a population that voted to remain,
0: and um, this is because the Leave voters are dying off, and they are being replaced by a new cohort of younger voters who are more likely to vote Remain.
1: Um, in general, yes, but I mean, every uh, both uh, people on on both sides, both Leavers and and Remainers, will will, will both will both pass on, but um, because of demographic shifts that will, and because of the the ratio of, of of the old people tending to vote Leave more, as time goes on, we will have a population which more frequently, which more statistically, voted to remain. So in five years' time, we'll, have, we'll definitely have a population which voted to remain. And in that time, even if it was worth having um, a Brexit that was the will of people for just one year, in that time, you can't have a successful Brexit. You can't have the things that Brexiters were promised. You can't have trade deals with hundreds of countries negotiated in five years. You can't re-legislate the country and get all your own laws in five years. The things that Brexiters wanted can't be completed before the before the Leave majority vanishes, so pursuing Brexit doesn't make sense. Now, I would never ever suggest that we should simply um, overturn the uh, that the Parliament should simply overturn or ignore the vote in 2016. I think a vote of the people can only be altered by the people. Um, so, given that we know that in five years we will have a population that voted to remain, we owe it to them. To at least do everything in our power to say, "All right, we've had a point. Let's let's have a vote."
0: So, you, your argument is that your birthright, so to speak, was stolen, mm-hmm. and you want this back because you, you know you're the people of the future. You're going to decide the direction Britain goes.
1: Well, um, uh, being both an EU citizen and a UK citizen is the only identity that this generation has ever known, um, and as as I've said. In it, by the time we have Brexit, by the time it's anywhere close to completed, the people that will be working in that economy, looking for jobs in that economy, raising families in that economy, paying for mortgages in that economy, it will be a population the majority of whom voted to remain. So pursuing Brexit, knowing that it's, practically speaking, against the will of the people who will be living with Brexit, is it's a democratic failure.
0: So your ultimate goal as your organisation is... is to change people's minds and then hold another referendum.
1: Uh, yes, uh, in, in essence, yes. Um, and I, I and the thing is, I understand why we had this vote and why it went the way why it went the way it did. Um, the inequalities in this country, um, the fact that um, all the opportunities, no matter where somebody went to uni, were where they working now? London. That the opportunities are in London. The opportunities are in the south. The north gets gets nothing, and it's just not fair. So I understand why people in the northeast um, v- voted voted so largely to leave the, leave the EU, because they because from their perspective, the EU is just part of part of the system that has been repeatedly screwing them over, and it's not fair. But the problem is, when the economy takes the hit from from Brexit, it's not going to be London that suffers the most. It's going to be them. And as the re- as recent um, as recent um, impact assessments came out, the, the places most affected by Brexit are the very places that voted leave. And that is just not fair. We don't. If we want to actually make a difference and rebalance this country, Brexit needs to get out of the way.
0: But isn't the danger you hold another referendum? We'll come on to when mm-hmm. that should be and what the terms of it should mm-hmm. be. At exactly the same people, because they have borne the brunt of austerity, they still see a fairly bleak future ahead of them. but mm-hmm. they are still not going to be persuaded by Project Fear, whatever form it takes will vote exactly the same there's, def- there's definitely
1: that, that risk um, but I believe that, um, that for one, that um, especially via this campaign, Our Future, Our Choice that people will ask themselves am I okay um, giving, my children a, 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 giving my children a future that I know they don't want that they actively try to avoid and I believe that the answer to that can only be no um, and I believe that um, having the difference between right now and, well, the difference between a few months' time and back in 2016 is the word uncertainty is getting less and less used because back in 2016, um, people the Remain camp was just saying there will be so much uncertainty if we, if we vote to leave. But, and and so, that, so the leave camp was able to capitalise on that and say uncertainty means we could have anything. We could have single market access. We could we could have three hundred fifty pounds three hundred fifty million pounds to the NHS, and whereas right now we're seeing the actual details of what this deal will ultimately look like, or what this what the withdrawal terms might actually be, we know that three hundred fifty million pounds isn't going to the NHS. We know that um, that the Irish border situation is a round peg and a square hole because if Brexiters want to have closed board, have passport checks and, and and border checks on the Irish on the border with the EU. Then that means a, a hard border on the on the Irish border, which violates the Good Friday Agreement. If they open that, that means an open border with the EU. So you can choose between essentially you have a choice between Brexit and the Good Friday Agreement. Um, so we know we know that these sorts of things, and we've also seen the way um, who's been more in control in these negotiations, um, and we're, we're gradually realizing that maybe the the smaller market of sixty five million. Doesn't it can't really uh, di- dictate terms to the larger market of 425 million. Um So there was a significant difference between what happened in 2016 and the information available to people, and what will be available in, in, when a referendum referendum comes at the end of this year.
0: But a lot of the vote was uh, for leave was influenced by two major factors. It wasn't the economy; it was immigration, mm-hmm. and it was this allure of sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering how you would counter that or persuade those people who say you know we've got our country back we took back control which is a very strong driver (laughs) we are now in control of our borders what what is your argument to them how would how do you win those minds round?
1: well let's take immigration um there was this narrative that um the eu allows unlimited numbers i mean i can quote uh, nigel farage um uh there was nothing we can do to stop unlimited numbers of EU, EU migrants coming here and enjoying the same rights and privileges as all the rest of us. Um, he said that, uh, and then after the referendum, uh, he, in a conversation he had with me on LBC, he, um, I pointed out to him that under the Citizens' Rights Directive of the EU, you can't come to this country without a job unless you have sufficient resources, enough money, to not become a burden on the social assistance system of the host country. So you can't come here and simply claim benefits. You also have to have medical insurance, comprehensive medical insurance, which means you can't be a burden on the NHS. So the notion that EU migrants come here, live off benefits, clog up the NHS, is simply a lie. Then there's um, the narrative that um, all these refugees are coming here, all these Syrians. Again, really based on on, on a falsehood, because the UK, unlike other countries such such as Hungary or Poland, we have an opt-out on asylum policy. Asylum policy does not apply to the UK in, in, in terms of the EU, um, which means that if any any refugee, refugee comes into this country, it's because the UK government has said so. So in that area, we are completely sovereign. Same goes for defence policy, so that we can't be forced into an EU army. Um, so there, there were many things that people thought we had no control over, which, in fact, we have complete control over. Um, and as for sovereignty... Uh, again, it, it comes down to how does the EU democracy work? There was this idea that it's this unelected, bu- these unelected bureaucrats in Brussels that, that dictate everything, whereas in fact, the European elections. I mean, I mean, okay, there are four main decision-making bodies in the EU. Uh, there's the European Council, the Commission, the Parliament, and the EU Council. The EU Council is is otherwise known as the Council of Ministers. Is national ministers. So if it's if they're discussing something to do with health. Then it's Jeremy Hunt that goes, um, so he represents us there. In the European Parliament, that's MEPs directly elected by us in the European elections. If it's the European um, the European Council, that's heads of heads of government. So again, people who we elect. And if it's the European Commission, which admittedly is the, is the least de- democratically legitimate part of, of the EU, that's chosen by the um, by the heads of state by the heads of government in in the European Council. And approved by the by the directly elected MEPs, so there is no decision-making body in the EU which doesn't which doesn't which isn't directly or indirectly appointed um, by the people. Um, so as for a loss of sovereignty, it's not a loss of sovereignty. We are pooling sovereignty to gain economic benefit and to be able to tackle challenges that we that we face as as a Europe, in, um, and and be a much more powerful influence in the world. So. Uh, Whereas, in fact, if I mean, one of the first things that Theresa May said that we do um, after Brexit was um, lower corporate tax and try and lower deregulate the countries to make uh, to make um, corporations happy, which means that we're going to be under the thumb of regulations in order to try and uh, under the thumb of corporations in order to try and keep their business, which for me feels a lot less sovereign.
0: So big business dictates the terms rather than rather than the
1: people, or rather than um, the necessity of corporate of um, um, consumer protection, social protection, environmental protection. It's going to be um, basically business is saying you want to keep our business, take away that regulation.
0: And how do you think you're doing in terms of trying to win round hearts and minds on this issue?
1: Um, well, um, young people feel even more strongly against against Brexit than they did at the time with the referendum, and. I believe one of the main things, is that things are things to do with this is hope. People lost hope. They've been bashed over the head with "will the people, will the people, will the people," and generally speaking, our democracy is based on the notion that a democracy can change its mind. Can change its mind. Um, uh, I mean, David Davis literally said that that a democracy ceases to be a democracy if it no longer can change its mind. And we know that in five years' time, we will have a population that voted to remain in the EU. So this notion that it's not our right to question the 2016 vote is just false because our entire democracy is based on the idea that in five years you get to change your
0: mind. Okay, so your idea is is a second referendum when and and what is the question?
1: It would would have to be after we get some sort of withdrawal terms back back from from the the negotiations in Brussels. So we're talking any time between October and February. Um, where where we would ha- where we'd have to um, where we would call call this vote,
0: and it would be on the terms of the deal we know so far. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and at that point, just on base, just in order to be responsible with the future of this country, they would have to be concrete terms. They would have to they would have to have some sort of answer um, relating to um, um, the Irish border situation, relating to whether or not we're going to get mutual recognition agreements. Because this idea that we can just have a transition and then who cares what happens later, that's kicking the can down the road. That's saying, all right, we haven't got anything successful now. We'll stay in the single market. We'll stay in the customs union. And then afterwards, the next government can deal with that. If we truly care about the future of this company, that's not acceptable.
0: But but isn't there a danger we won't actually know by October, which is when we have to do it because any deal has to be kind of approved by... European Parliament we only have kind of broad kind of outlines rather than kind of a concrete set of we'll, 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 we'll know more but
1: um, um, but by, by, by October they may they may not be concrete terms but they, they need to be um, and if and if we can't get concrete terms after the, after this much negotiation I think the fact that we've had so many impasses in the negotiations so far shows that the government wants certain things and isn't going to get them. And that, in and of itself, is a concrete term with the fact that we know that there aren't going to be solutions.
0: OK. And and what about the danger, of one, of, of kind of kind of voter fatigue? They've had mm. a lot of elections recently. Mm. You know, we've, yeah. had, we've yeah. had kind of two general elections and a referendum for the last three years. We're talking about another one, possibly at the end of this year, early next year. That's yeah. a lot. You yeah. know, um, think of just a small moment to think of journalists mm. who have to cover this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, Are they not just going to go too much? And secondly, do we not end up, therefore, in a kind of situation of just rolling referendum until we get a result which people either kind of give up on or just say enough is enough?
1: Well, uh, as for voter fatigue, um, I can understand that entirely. The the, the, um, the news headlines have been dominated by Brexit and constantly. uh, We've had snap elections um, and, and party infighting for the past. For, for forever, forever that's party and fighting is the reason we're in this problem from the to begin with um and so i understand that but we have to look long term uh, this isn't something that we can simply just go back on and, if it doesn't work out um because uh, and uh, because that would essentially mean m- deeper european integration um because right now we have a whole host of, of opt-outs in terms of the EU. We don't have the euro. We have a veto. We can veto the removal of vetoes, so that myth isn't isn't true. Um, and asylum policy, we have enough. We have oh, staff. So, so
0: just to clarify, you're saying if, if we held a referendum, let's say in ten years' time, mm. it would be if we went back in then, it would be on the EU's mm. terms, including joining the single currency.
1: Exactly. Um, and so this notion of having re- repeated referendum ad infinitum, uh, forever. Is just wrong because it's now or never. Um, if we if we don't if we don't have if we if the people don't say you we have to stop this before we actually leave the EU, it's too late because if we were to rejoin the EU, then it would actually give give legitimacy to many of the arguments for leave, because we, because we um because we would have significantly less of a say in, 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 in and there would be a certain degree of loss of sovereignty, and I personally like sovereignty i want my parliament to be sovereign i want i want to have um, all the benefits that we currently enjoy in our special position within, within within the eu i don't i don't i don't want to join the euro i mean i, I remember one one time when i was um, outside of the uh, when i was living outside of the country i came back for christmas and i realized i was about to have to go back to back to france i found myself caressing a british pound that's how much i love the pound i don't want to lose it um and yeah, I don't. I, and so the notion that we sh- we should just um, say let's have it in in a few years' time or shut up for now, that just leads to greater European integration, which is what which I don't think most
0: Brexiters really want. Okay, so you've got this, you're saying there's this one small window of opportunity to get a second referendum. Yes. And, and I'm just trying to work out kind of what is the best way for you as an organisation to try and kind of win people's hearts and minds over on this because. All the polls I've seen show very little bars or morse amongst the Leave camp. And you get within a sense of that, that, that the, both sides are now just talking to each other. They've, they've gone into their own echo chambers. So Remainers mm. are only hearing what Remainers want to hear. And Leave voters are only hearing what Leave voters want to hear. And there seems almost no exchange of arguments anymore. It's now, you mm. know, it's which side can shout loudest from which side of a terrace.
1: Well, that's uh, yeah. The divide. I mean, uh, that divide is why we had so much complacency over over the over the referendum in the, in the start because people were in their own, in their own echo chambers. But um, one of the reasons for our future, our choice, is because of that divide in age, and what it, what the Brexit issue has done to families. I mean, many families simply don't talk about politics anymore because it became too fraught a discussion after after Brexit, and and that. If Brexit continues, that's not going to get better. Um, and but the only thing that could possibly um, bring people together in on this particular issue is, hi mum, hi dad. I rec- I respect your views. I recognise that you don't like the EU, and I recognise that you will probably never change your mind on on this. But this is about my identity, my future, my life. So please respect that i am an adult i voted i voted this way for my future please just for my sake out uh, of respect for my wishes for my future knowing that i'm going to be living in this economy for the rest of my life i'm going to be um, living in the geopolitical situation that that brexit would cr- create for the rest of my life please don't do this don't strip me of my of my eu citizenship don't strip me of my of my ability to live work and love everywhere in, in europe please don't do that and if we can unite over the fact that, over parental love essentially, I think that would repair a lot of the a lot of the divisions. And I think, um, and, and young people, I understand that it's a it's 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 a hard topic to broach. But if you show respect to your parents, recognize that they have different views, but they, and that they might that it might not change. But just ask them, would you be willing to go this go, go another way from me?
0: I think a lot of them would. Is this a conversation you've had with your parents, or is this
1: a... Well, in my... So you sounded very personal. (laughs) In in my family, I mean, again, giving credence to the notion that um, uh, you can't say that all remainers, all leavers are uneducated. My parents are both doctors, uh, and they had no idea which way to go. Well, my mom had no idea which way to go. Um, uh, And so she she basically asked me, she she respected that... um, that it was my future and that she wanted to vote in, in favor of me. My dad was actually more pro-leave um, up, up until about a month before. Um, but again, uh, I explained EU law to him and and he went the other way. So in ours, it was a semi-emotional, semi-fact-based, semi-law-based um, discussion, but... Uh, but I have, but I've spoken to many people who've reached out to the well to reach out to their parents. Some of them have. Some of them have said um, that their parents voted the way they did, um, saying, "I mean, what was the quote? Uh, dad, why did why Dad why did you um why did you vote to remain when you always were really really pro leave?" And the dad simply said, "What am I going to do? It's not my future." Um. And uh, yeah, these conversations can happen and they should happen because as I've said, the the public opinion is only going to shift one way because we know which which we know which way the generation most affected by Brexit voted.
0: And your fear is that it's gonna be a generation which is your generation, I, I don't know how old you are, by the way. Uh, Twenty seven. Twenty seven So there's a generation which is going to bear great resentment towards the people who took them out of Europe. What what are the political consequences of
1: that? Do you think? Uh, well, uh, as for the great resentment, um, at the time of the referendum, people didn't know for sure that there would be this age divide. So I hold no, re- I had no I hold no resentment to older voters who voted who voted leave. The difference is that right now we do. Right now we know that there that the generation most affected by Brexit, the generation that will be living with Brexit, well, the, the generation that. Given that there will be a majority for for Remain by the time Brexit actually comes into effect, they know that now, and so I believe that knowing that, that they would they would vote a different way just purely because they realise what the real what the real effect of this. So resentment towards my resentment isn't towards Leave voters; it's towards the people in power who didn't either fail to give the facts or gave inaccurate facts. Um, but there will be a, a great deal of resentment. I mean, as for there's the common argument that it would undermine faith in democracy to have um, to have to somehow go back on Brexit by whatever means, but I believe that if in five years' time, when we have a population that voted to remain, knowing that we are leaving the EU purely be- on the basis of um, politicians having lied to us, having told us that and the EU allowed completely open borders, having told us that there'd be 350 million to the NHS, having told us that um, Turkey was going to join, that we'd be forced into an EU army, that, that um, and all of this, knowing that we were, our lives were going to be detrimentally affected on the basis of the entire body of UK politicians, I think that would be a lot more damaging to our faith in democracy.
0: But, but I'm just wondering in terms of, kind of political parties, I mean, you know, mm. You've got a Conservative Party which is now basically the party of Brexit because they're having to execute it, are uh, mm. Leavers and Remainers on both sides, and then you have a, a Labour Party where the membership and the MPs are mm. overwhelmingly yeah. Remain, but a, a leadership which is seen as lukewarm towards it. Mm. And I'm just uh, what I'm trying to explore is is what you you your generation will look at and go, how will they respond to this? Will they will be Kind of, will they blame both? Will they blame predominantly conservatives? Is this going kind to of dangerous for the Conservative Party? It wants to get to a future, or is this, or do you think Labour could also become kind of tainted as well as a result for failing to stop Brexit?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Um, because I mean, well, let's do with the Tory side first. Uh, the leadership doesn't know what it's doing. Um, it hasn't known what it's doing. Um, three quarters of people believe that it has no idea what it's doing with Brexit. I know that there are some um, Tory MPs who were willing to put country first, who were willing to say, I'm not going to let this damage come to my constituents. Um, And I really applaud them and I'm grateful to them. As for Labour, I should be a a, a Corbynista. I really should be. Um, I mean just from I mean I come from a human rights background. He's one of the very few politicians that um, has spoken out against the um Saudi and the arms that were selling to Saudi Arabia and the war crimes associated with that. He's one of the very few politicians who thinks we should um keep a handle on corporations and, and make sure we make sure they pay their fair fair share. I am a lefty. Corbyn should be my man in Westminster. But his the way he's approaching his values isn't living up to them. I don't want him to. Uh, I don't want him to abandon his values. I want him to live up to them. He wants an NHS that functions. He cannot um, then support a Brexit, which will a discourage um, EU migrants from coming here, knowing that EU migrants, compared to their population, make up more of our doctors than UK nationals. He cannot um, uh, allow. Uh, he, he cannot um, damage the economy, which will then reduce funding for public services such as the NHS. He cannot, if he wants a um, a Robin Hood tax, which will really um, put the tax um, corporations so that we can get the funding for the public services, he cannot do that as a sole country. That is something that requires international cooperation because you need to make sure that those companies that you're trying to tax here don't simply hide their profits offshore in another EU country. Now, the EU is trying, um, is it has the common corporate consolidated tax base, which basically means you can't make your profits in one country and hide them in another. And so, if, if Corbyn wants to really, to, to, to deliver tax, uh, a tax plan that will actually benefit the NHS by taxing the super-rich and the corporations, he, pulling, out of, pulling out of the EU is the wrong way to go. I believe in everything that Corbyn believes in, But he's currently doing it the wrong way. And I think if he doesn't, at least, he doesn't have to say, I oppose Brexit. I don't need him to say that. I understand that that's politically difficult for him. What he can say is, I will protect you from a Brexit that will harm you. I will protect you by allowing you to have a say on on the terms of, of withdrawal. That's all I need him to say. And I would be a diehard communist the moment he said that. But right now I'm not.
0: Well, let's just explore it further because is there any way you could live with a Brexit which involves staying in the single market and the customs union? So we had kind of most of the economic benefits, mm. but we were outside it for, let's say, other aspects.
1: Yeah, that's the, the real problem with Labour's current policy. Um, the idea that they are listening to the people by, by appeasing Brexit doesn't work if they're saying we should stay in the single market and customs union because as we've said before one of the main reasons people voted for for Brexit was out of issues regarding sovereignty and as I've explained the single market is a system of both um, rules that mean you have common rules so that you can um, trade freely among the countries without losing money on adapting to different regulations and also having um, mutual recognition which means that your product will be valid anywhere now, that requires a centralized lawmaking body, which is the EU. If we were to stay in the single market, but no longer have a seat at the table of the EU, that would mean less sovereignty. That would mean that it would be the EU deciding the rules, while we no longer have a seat at the table, and simply we simply be following the, following the rules, which means we'd retain the economic benefits, but lose the sovereignty. We'd be in a situation similar to Norway. And as I've said before, I like sovereignty. I like that we are a powerful country. I like that we have 73 of the 750 MEPs in the European Parliament. I like that that means we, despite being one of 28 countries, we have 10% of its power. Um, I like, uh, and whereas a, a staying in the single market, this soft Brexit doesn't work for anybody. It doesn't work for Brexit voters who wanted sovereignty, and it doesn't work for Remainers who wanted us to, to remain a powerful country within the, within the EU. Um, so, that stance needs to change. It's not sustainable because if we end up having less sovereignty as a result of Brexit, we'll just end up back here in a couple of years, only we'd have to come back in and lose even more sovereignty.
0: Because we'd have to go back on harder terms. We'd have to go back
1: on harder terms.
0: We have now. Has there ever been any kind of pro Brexit argument which has convinced you?
1: um Let me think. Uh, yeah. um See, the thing is, there are many criticisms of the EU. Um, I mean, myself, uh, for part of 2016 and part of 2017, I was working for a, an NGO in Brussels called Alter EU, which, specific, which did almost nothing but criticise the EU um, and um, criticise the, um, the lobbying apparatus around Brussels. And, and sought for... I mean, it's called the Alliance for Lobbying Transparency and Ethics Regulation. Um, so I know that there are problems in the EU. I mean, there's, there's lobbying everywhere. Um, but um, So that criticism can also be made of London and Westminster. But there are problems with the EU which I have attacked vehemently. In fact, the irony is, if I wasn't spending all this time trying to stop Brexit, I would be one of the people fighting for the UK to fix the problems with the EU... Um, but the thing is there is a difference between the baby and the bathwater if the country is going to be worse off, if the country is sorry, if the country is better off in the EU then the fact that there are problems with the EU doesn't mean we should leave it
0: Okay, coming back to how you persuade people Mm. it it strikes me that, and I see this a lot because I going out of Westminster a lot and I and I kind of walk out of Westminster and I see this kind of band of, of people waving their EU flags and mm. they look very nice but slightly worthy and I go why are you doing this outside the Houses of the Parliament why don't you go out on the streets of kind of Salford for instance or go up to Boston and other areas which voted heavily to leave and just campaign door to door because that's to me, is the only way you're going to win people's minds but, or change people's minds.
1: It's it's not it's not an either or. Um, I I've met um, his name is Stephen Bray, who's outside the Houses of Parliament every every single day.
0: With I'm sorry to malign you, Stephen Bray. I was <laughs> I wasn't going to personalise this. <laughs> uh, uh, he
1: is the dedication that that man shows is incredible. He is out there every day. Um, with, um, with his flags, with his flags, which he sets up around, 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 the, around the garden outside the houses of Parliament. Um, and that dedication just to let Parliament know that the people weren't fully decided on this, that they have to represent the 48% of the electorate that voted um, voted to remain as well. Um, that is so vital. But yes, you're right. Um, absolutely. Uh, in fact, one of the main things that this that our future, our choice is going to be doing, is going specifically to the north. I'm in London because the media is here, which is ironic that I have to come down to the London despite living in Sheffield to make my voice heard. One of my one of my aims is to try and rebalance the country so that the north does have a voice. But yeah, I mean, we're going up to Hull um, on Thursday, Friday, um, and I'm from Darlington, so I want to get there as much as possible. Um, well, I was born in Darlington, um, and yeah, we want we want we reaching out to to, to the the nor- northern towns, Sunderland especially. That's exactly what we want to be doing because they're the people who were most hurt by the system, most hurt by the establishment, most hurt by the by the, by the inequalities in this country, and which pushed them to vote for Brexit. And so they're the people that we want to speak to.
0: And and you think this is winnable?
1: Yes, I do. I do. Um, and not not only because um, uh, people will see what the, what the what the, what the how the negotiations are going. Not only because people um, know that their um, children don't want don't want Brexit and they want to do what's will to make their children happy, um, but because it's better for the future of this country to be a be a powerful player within the EU. I mean, David Davis today was talking about how um, the UK would it has always been the one setting the standards within the EU, and that we would continue to do so. That's a fantasy. If we if, if why would a a market of, of 475 million follow the, the standards of, of a market of, of, of 65 million unless that market had a major seat at the table which we currently do and so if you want U, the UK to be powerful
0: you,
1: the e, the EU is the way to go
0: okay and, and- Is the organisation growing? I mean, how how, how are you doing in terms of getting support?
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, this past couple of weeks has definitely helped. Uh, I'm currently inundated with messages saying, how can I help? Uh, By the way, really, really sorry. I have the organisational skills of a drunk toddler. (laughs) I will get to those messages. (laughs) Um, So uh, if
0: if they want to... To, to, to
1: kind of sign up how do we do it uh, you can follow us uh, at um, o brexit ofOC brexit um, on Twitter Facebook and Instagram um, and you can sign up at the website um, at OFOC.co.uk Um and uh, there will be um, down down the lines and door to door um, um, because reaching those people in those areas is just vital because they haven't been listened to um, and so yeah um, and also we're still working on on, on um, what we're going to be doing online, uh, but because we, we've already had um, messages from young people, because I, I asked I asked people before Christmas to send their messages saying how they feel about Brexit, and so we've had many people sending video messages saying exactly why Brexit would hurt them and why they, and why they love the EU. So something along those lines um, would, would is coming just way out.
0: Do Do you see this as a, a kind of like a new political? Party in some respects, or is it? Is, do you have a sell-by date? As soon as you've, you know, you've got your referendum,
1: we're a new political dimension, I guess, which is a term which I've now just made up here, and I'm going to get really embarrassed for it, but yeah, um, <laughs> uh, because the great thing about our future, our choice is we're not, we're not the political elite, we're not the establishment, we're not business experts who have their um, financial biases, we're not um, hashtag fake news. We are just a generation. Looking to take back control of our futures. Yeah, the
0: reason I ask this question because you mm. know, where you were speaking earlier, about, mm. you know, there's a there's a the Conservative Party doesn't speak for, for your mm. generation anymore, mm. but, but you, you've got you know a certain amount of disillusion with some of what Labour's doing. Mm. And I'm and there's quite a lot of talk anyway about where do the kind of you know the, the, the silent majority go yeah. in, in a these kind of polarised times and I'm just seeing is this kind of something you're thinking about long term or is it you just happen to go and come along as when these feelings and thoughts are swirling around um, There,
1: there is an issue with uh, the current situation that we have a binary political system whereby you only have a choice between um, a party such as, as the Conservative Party or Labour who's not currently on track but I really hope they get on track and um, so yeah a new a new party or or one of the old ones um, I haven't I haven't decided party politics isn't really something I've ever really seen myself in um uh I will simply vote for whichever party um gives us the best best future whether that means a new party um or the Greens Lib Dems um I, I don't know um but people need better choice I mean if the if, if the if the current two parties don't represent the future of this country, they should get out of the way. Um, I say this with love, Jeremy, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because as, I, as I, I I can't I can't express enough how much I wish I could get behind Jeremy Corbyn. And the moment he say, he says I'll give you, I'll give you a vote, he gets mine. Um, but yeah, uh, there there needs to be a shift in the, in the political landscape um, so that people can start to feel represented. By, their,
0: by the people in power. Okay. What do you, how do you think it's going to unravel over the next few months? Because we're coming up mm. to a very crucial period. We've mm. got the kind of cabinet meeting on this Thursday mm. for what we've been told they're going to be literally locked in a room until they agree a, mm. an agreed stance on what they want in terms of a trade deal. We've got the summit with transition will should or should not be agreed um, EU summit mm. towards the end of March. You've then got a couple of crucial Commons votes, one on the the trade bill where the remaining rebels have tabled amendments calling to us to stay in the customs union. Mm. Then you've got the House of Lords doing the EU withdrawal bill. Again, that's going to come back to the Commons. It could be difficult um, for the Prime Minister especially if they strike out the uh, termination put a fixed exit date in Mm. and then you've got in October as we discussed earlier the government has to come up with some sort of offer which has to be put both to the EU Parliament and obviously the the British Parliament, the UK Mm. Parliament. So um, I'm just wondering what what do you think is going to happen? with all those possible
1: kind of well um it requires well we're, for right now we're, uh, we're just working with the people who don't really care about all those processes going going on they just care about making sure that their future is safe and so we're just going to be mobilizing young people across the country um uh, we're going to hopefully um use those particular peg those landmarks um as occasions to make particular drives um, to make sure that the parliament the Parliament and the people in Westminster recognize that the people aren't happy with what they're doing. Um, and yeah there will be a point where young people will be door to door and in the street. Um, and we hope that we have a, we have a, a political framework a democracy where the, where Westminster can see that the people are very unhappy with the direction they're going. And we'll actually say, okay, let's put the brakes on and let's make sure that this is what the people want and make sure that whatever we come with, back with from Brussels, whatever we come back with in, in October, is actually, actually has the approval of the people we're claiming to represent. Which right now, I don't think it does. I mean, the thing is, both Brexit voters and Remain voters aren't happy with the way negotiations are going. Brexit voters feel, feel that we're currently giving away too much sovereignty, which a soft Brexit would do. And remain voters aren't happy with anything that's happening at all. Um, so the notion that Westminster is representing the people is just a fallacy.
0: I mean, that was really interesting. Thank you so much for spending time talking to us. My pleasure. And uh, good luck with your campaigning. We're, Thank you very much. We're always welcome, I should say, to have Brexiteers on this podcast if anyone wants to put an alternative point of view. <laughs> um, my name is uh, Jason Beattie, as I said, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at jbtmirror, Femi, your Twitter handle is?
1: Uh, at Femi underscore sorry.
0: A- and i have been mean to ask, why the sorry? Uh,
1: because I tend to speak quite uh, logically and, and without really much emotion behind it, and that can be quite offensive at times, so I figured I needed an inbuilt apology. <laughs>
0: I, I think all journalists should have that as a matter, of course. You have no need to apologise for, for, for coming on this podcast. Uh, please go to mirror.co.uk forward slash eyes, that's A-Y-E-S, where you can uh, register, leave comments, try not make, make them too negative, uh, and we'll be back soon with another podcast from Eyes to the Left. Thank you for listening. The Eyes to the Left